Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports and you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until 8 o'clock this evening. This extended show as we bring you live commentary of Leinster's game away to Leicester in the Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinals. But for now, as always, Football Saturday. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. Don't miss Manchester City versus Newcastle United on Super Sunday. Live only on Sky Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off The Ball. We're streaming the conversation. Listen on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels. For Periscope on Twitter, at Off The Ball. YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app for I OS and Android. Search OTB Sports your app store to download it if you haven't already. Joined by the former Republic of Ireland international Damien Delaney, UEFA Pro Licence coach Shane Keegan and the football correspondent of the Irish independent Dan McDonnell to talk about the beautiful game. Just going to do a shout out to listeners first about valuable football memorabilia. So Maradona's Hand of God shirt went for over 7 million quid this week. Do you have anything valuable? you'd think is priceless that you'd never flog or that you are suddenly thinking about selling. 53106, the text number for a cost of 30 cent. Uh, Damien, I was watching you on Virgin TV on the Champions League coverage during the week. Yeah. Uh, Manchester City, like you've had a bit of time to think about it now. How did that happen? What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, like, like I suppose I, I said it on, on, on the TV that like, you always look at a coach and, and you talk about collapsing. And, and the point I was trying to make was that, like, I'm not sure, yes, they conceded two goals, but if you look back, what did Pep do wrong? Like, what substitutions would you change? People were saying, oh, we should have left De Bruyne on. Um, did, did De Bruyne have a good game? I don't think so. Gundogan came on, Grealish came on. Um, it was, he needed to go ultra defensive. He didn't give up any part of the game. Um, I remarked after 85 minutes how impressive it was with City's handling of the game. They were in complete control. Um, and it was just two quick-fire goals, just came out of nothing, just two crosses in the box, and this Madrid team do that. So that's why I didn't want to, to, to clarify the collapse, because I believe a collapse is when you, you know, make some poor substitutions, give up the foothold that you had in the game as a result of those substitutions, and you invite pressure on you. Um, no, they didn't handle um, uh, extra time uh, re- well, really, with Ruben Diaz making that challenge. I suppose on reflection, you're kind of thinking, what would Manchester City or what could Manchester City have done differently? I suppose one thing, um, and I know it's easy sitting here with hindsight, is that when the first goal went in, I, I, I almost felt that some Manchester City player should take it upon himself just to go down and take two, three minutes off the clock for like, you know, there was six minutes injury time added on and just go down, get the stretcher on, go off, like Millie Toe did in, in extra time, come back on and go straight back down again and take three minutes off that clock because you could have done it. Because I think with the result of what you saw against um, uh, with PSG and Chelsea, they're capable of going bang, bang, very, very quickly. Um, and I suppose that's in hindsight. And maybe that's, you know, being ultra, people would say it's cheating. We complain about this all the time. But realistically, they needed to turn that six minutes into two minutes of, of game time with the ball actually being in play. So that's probably the only thing I criticise them with. I don't think Pep Guardiola did anything wrong. I look back all of, over all his substitutions. They were reasonable. They were logical. They made sense. Um, they had complete control of the game and just bang, goal out of nothing. And then another one. So... It looks like a collapse and, 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 and a lot of people can term it that as, as, as if they want, but I don't think it was a collapse. I just think sometimes you have to hold your hands up and you've got beat by a better team. What do the players, you played at the top level, Damien, what must they be feeling? Are they able to just put it behind them and play against Newcastle tomorrow? What does the footballer's mind work like in these situations? 
disbelief, I think, initially. You'd come in afterwards and, and, and you almost go into like a, a dream-like state, you know, where you're thinking, is this actually real? Has this actually happened? Um, but very, very quickly you realise it has. And these guys are all ultra-professional, top, top professionals, really, really at the peak of their game, mentally, incredible mental strength. Um, you know, they don't make it to that level without bouncing back from adversity because at some point all those players would have experienced um, adversity. Um, I listened to an interview with Pep yesterday. I think he gave them two days off by the sounds of it. He yeah. said the first time, the first time we'll reconvene and see them will be on Saturday. And I think that's wise. Let the players go home, clear their heads themselves with their families. Um, it's not like the old days where if you gave lads two days off after a defeat like that, they'd, they'd drink their troubles away. Um, I just think they just let those guys go away and let it marinate in their minds themselves. And they'll all figure out, they're all incredibly smart people. They'll all figure out the best way to, to deal with it, process it and let it go and, and, and refocus. Dan, I was looking at Miguel Delaney's tweet there uh, after the game. Of Guardiola's 11 Champions League eliminations, eight have seen decisive periods that were sudden collapses, flurries of goals conceded. 2010, 2 and 13 minutes. 2014, 3 and 18. 2015, 3 and 17. 2017, 2 and 8. 2018, 3 and 19. 2019, 2 and 3. 2020, 2 and 8. 2022, 3 and 6. What I took from that was, this is a brilliant computer, a brilliant plane, but when it malfunctions, there's a bit of a freeze and then these patterns emerge. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose sometimes, you know, people have their views on stats or trends. You can have that in all sports and what do they mean? You know, do they mean anything? And um, if we all just sort of put down things in football matches, to that's just one of those things. I mean, talk shows and discussion shows wouldn't exist. Everything is very easily... We wouldn't be here. Very easily explained, you know, and you can always... Um, and you can also use the scoreboard, like, to, to you know to find an argument to suit you know what's happened like I did think in the previous round I thought there was a small bit of an overreaction to City um, doing the job against uh, Atleti you know I think I actually thought they gave up some chances I know they gave up some chances in that game I know they faced like you know they, they sort of did some of the time wasting and, and you know when they do it and it finishes not all it's like well you know or whatever score they got to, to get the job done um, it's like well there they go you know they've toughened it up they've got the resolve but even when um, like I went down to 10 they actually had a chance you know at the end of the game it just wasn't taken and if that had been scored it would have been a completely different discussion and that's always that's always the way you know it's it's so if Grealish scores Grealish is a hero the 100 million was worth it they're in the final yeah I think like I think they I sort of would be closer to the Dane view on it I think you know they actually did a, they, they played it quite well I actually thought you know they it would have been the classic sort of if Grealish scores you know either of the two chances that he you know that he was involved in on the breaks it would have been a classic well there you go um, you know they got their goal got a bit stretched they finish it off clinical efficient and there are all the words you would have used um, now the flip side of that is that in some ways I think the treatment of City afterwards has been reasonably kind as well too I mean if PSG had done that it would have been sort of mirth and you know the, the, the entire character of every player would have been torn asunder as well so like the truth always lies somewhere in between between the two um, and to go back to your like original point um, I mean I think I mean, there have been pep malfunctions a- along the way there is no doubt about that um, some more obvious than others um, but I-, I am sort of struggling like yeah if a team loses you can always find something but to me it's harder to find um, something they've done here where they let it go other than just the obvious um, when you concede the first goal I think 
you know, is that and I know obviously the the need was such that Madrid had to go again, but was that the time even to try and find a way to kill it a bit or, or something? Slow it down, yeah. Yeah. Well I mean I and of course like the, the stadium was it's easy to say this here. Oh the stadium the, was coming through the, the TV. Yeah, the stadium was fired and they had to go for it. And maybe you know, it's easy to say that. What could what could they have done? You know, like you know, what tip it off and just you know, belt it sixty yards to the corner flag like uh, QPR against Man City back in the day with the the sort of famous Aguero goal. Like, there's no. It's easy to say that, but um, Pep has to accept that. You know, with his profile, he's going to face all these uh, psychoanalysis on the basis of what happened. Almost a passive aggressiveness about Pep in his press conference, Shane Keegan. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm just not good enough now. That's what he was saying. Um, but does his le- legacy deserve reassessment? Like, he still hasn't won it without Messi and his team. Uh, he's a brilliant manager. They've been incredible. I love watching them. I wish they got to the final, personally. But uh, what do you put it down to? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. I would I would have loved to have seen them make the final is the first thing I'd say, JD. And look, I know Dan was saying that the media seemed to have been reasonably kind to them. Needless to say, social media is never quite as kind as the real media is. And I'm just... That groundswell of, ha ha, I'm delighted for Pep. He thinks he's clever than all the rest of us. And uh, he got his comeuppance. Like, that that drives me mad. I just, I, I really hate when I see that kind of stuff. Like, he's he's been such a fantastic manager. He's been such a fantastic person for the game of football over the last uh, 10 to 15 years. Why, why anybody would take, you know, satisfaction? Oh, if the satisfaction is aimed at the ownership, I, can, I get that a little bit more. But the satisfaction in seeing Pep flop and of Pep, you know, you know, he overthinking things and he's got his weapons and all that kind of crack. I, I don't, I don't like that because he's 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 just been a joy. Any side he's been over has been a joy to watch for for the last few years. I mean, not take out the lads too much, but. I've been in this, you know, I've been in those situations where you can feel something getting away from you, and you, you just, I, I can think of one situation where it didn't happen, and one situation where it did, where you are praying or trying to communicate out to your players, somebody hit the ground here, somebody go down, grab your groin, grab your hamstring, grab whatever you need to grab, just to let everybody gather their thoughts, management included. The manager needs to be able to gather his thoughts. And, and they were crying out for somebody to do that when the first goal went in, JD. They really, really were. Um, as I say, they given, you know, give Pep as much as anybody else a chance to say, OK, right, at the end of the world here, here's what we need to do. But when you get caught up in the momentum of, of the stadium and the, oh, sugar, we're, we're up against it here now, or it's all collapsing on us, um, just gets away from you. It just gets away from you. It really does. The other thing, just to pick up on one of the, the, the points that Damien made is, and this is where I'd be, and, and this is just purely down, I suppose, to to management styles or, or even your own thinking styles. Um, with Kevin De Bruyne, I, I would be, my take on it is, I would be of the opinion time and time again, whether involved in a match or watching a match, that if a fella has consistently delivered for you over a prolonged period when he's having an off game, I would be inclined to stick with him. I would be inclined to stick with him. It's just the way my, my mind would work. I'd be inclined to say, okay, he's had a bad 70 here, but the man is absolutely class. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to leave him on the field. I'm, I'm going to, I, I think he's going to come up with something for us. I mean, 
you know, I, I would have looked at the hurling last weekend and shook my head at TJ Reid being brought off, and I would have thought, no, Brian, stick with him. He always delivers. He always delivers. And it, it was the same. I felt it was the same that game. No doubts. I would agree. But he was way off. He wasn't at the standard that he's usually at. I would just find it hard to believe that he would have went 90, never mind 120, without giving us some moment of inspiration. So I, I was surprised at that one. The two goals in a minute. It can happen, as I say, particularly if, if a player doesn't buy you a bit of time. The bit I would have been most disappointed was how they really didn't manage to reset themselves correctly for extra time. Um, you know, they weren't, they weren't the, the city we would have expected. You know, if, if, um, if, if, they hadn't, if it hadn't gone to dr- extra time in such dramatic style, I think they might have gathered their thoughts better and might have had, you know, might have produced the usual city performance over the, the half an hour that they had to to correct things. I just think it all snowballed on them. I, I think. Can I can I just jump in there? That, like, it's one thing you think with Pep Guardiola's teams, and if you compare and we're forever comparing Liverpool and Manchester City, like Liverpool, you know, you, you think of the Barcelona comeback. They have such a soul about them, and there's kind of a clock will just run with a feeling. Whereas Guardiola. Everything's thought out. And I, th- I wonder, does he hinder his players or does he allow them that freedom of thought, that freedom of expression because everybody has a job and it's so mapped out and it's so planned. It's just two different managerial styles. You know, Liverpool are, are, are much more free-flowing and, and the game can change. You saw the Villarreal game, how they wrestled back control of that. Whereas Manchester City, like you said there, I think with JD, so they're, they're, they're robotic, the programming is done. And when something goes wrong, it can malfunction. Whereas Klopp is much, much different in his setup that he can kind of roll with those punches a bit better um, but again that's just managerial styles I think yeah but I think it, it doesn't it show like the I mean the Liverpool one I mean they had the 15 minutes to regroup at half time in Villarreal I think if that first half had continued mm. for another 10-15 minutes like they were they were struggling and I suppose this is the one thing where maybe the man the malfunction was for City and the bad lads have both alluded to it there you know was how I mean it, we were probably all when it went extra time going this is going to be brilliant but actually, like extra time wasn't really like it was almost like you know well, the, Real spoiled in extra well, time. Yeah, they slowed the they, they slowed it, but but City were as and as sort of what Damien's alluded to, like they you know they they were sort of frozen. You know they were they they were they were they were sort of they got that punch in the gut and they they couldn't recover. And in one way, it shows how like the most highly driven, highest achieving athletes in the world, and it's why we sort of love the the high class sport. Sometimes it's like watching the. I don't know the top golfers or something. It's watching them suffer sometimes as part of the the intrigue, like how they were, you know, they weren't robotic and just able to respond to it. And you could you could spin that and say, okay, after the ninety minutes, you know, Pep pulls them together, and you know, you have a little bit of time to have, and and they they didn't manage to sort of escape um, the sort of sense of horror that seemed to be sort of slowly unfolding that they couldn't avoid. 53106 BB in Bayside has been in touch from Dublin. I fully agree that the Real comeback was just one of those things, but what no one is talking about is how badly City played in extra time. Not just how utterly defeated they seemed to be for the full half hour, but also how they didn't close or pick up for the third Real goal. There was no fight back at all, no steal in the face of the setback. Would a number nine have helped, Damien? Because they were playing hoofball at the end, but nobody to go to. Yeah, I mean, look, over the course of the season, we have questioned it and it's gotten this far, perhaps uh, a number nine would have put them in a better stead in the first leg but you know uh, tears say I mean I, I, one thing I was interested tactically what he did is when he swapped I think midway through the first half he put Jesus out in the left and put Foden as a false number nine I thought that was a an interesting one I'd like to you know because Jesus started down the middle and, and Foden wide and Foden became a non-entity in the game because he was just a number nine so one of your best players um, is, has become a non-entity and I suppose 
would have been disrespectful. Jesus, one of your more your poorer players, is now involved in the game more. I mean, Jesus is a number nine that runs in, runs in behind, and he's a nuisance. He's not technically incredible. Um, he's obviously technically very, very proficient. I'm not, it's not a criticism of him, but I would have just preferred to see Foden on the ball a little bit more. I would have probably seen Jesus up the top of the pitch and just wait for the chances. Um, so maybe that's something he's look at. But I was wondering why he would do why he would do that. I ran through that in my head um, of what he was trying, what he was looking for there. But I thought that made Manchester City a little less effective in my mind. Okay, uh, let's go to the Viva Stadium. Uh, Alan Quinlan, Munster against Toulouse, and uh, a couple of tries already. Yeah, there has. Uh, Munster started brilliantly, I think. Uh, they were under a little bit of early pressure. Oman, he gets a great turnover under the post. Um, Alex Kendel, and then Munster got upfield, got a penalty, kicked it to the corner, executed brilliantly off the line out, and then built some pressure. and Kendel forced his way over. But right from the kickoff, John. Munster won it played a phase Murray box kicks it was a good kick I don't think the chase was uh, was very good um, Toulouse picked up a loose ball and uh, got close to the line and had a penalty and Intimac ball went loose on the ground and Intimac just pops up and uh, wiveled his way over uh, and just got there but uh, Munster played very very well they're actually doing well with the ball they're holding on to it well but you can see the quality from Toulouse the pressure they're putting at the breakdown and the power they have but it's uh, it's 7-all at the moment Alright Quinny thanks so much 15 minutes gone remember we got commentary of Leinster Leicester half five we're on air till 8 o'clock this evening on Off the Ball here on News Talk in Scotland Celtic four hearts won they pretty much have wrapped up the title today so well done to the boys Ross County nil Motherwell nil in the relegation group Hibs nil Aberdeen nil Livingston nil St Johnston nil St Mirren won Dundee nil latest scores in the championship all of these games are results Birmingham City won Blackburn two Bournemouth won Millwall nil, Derby nil, Cardiff one, Huddersfield one, a two, Bristol City nil, so two nil win for Huddersfield, Hull one, Nottingham Forest one, Luton one, Reading nil, Peterborough five, Blackpool nil, Preston four, Middlesbrough one, Sheffield United four, Fulham nil, Stoke one, Coventry one, Swansea nil, QPR one, West Brom four, Barnsley nil. So, Fulham and Bournemouth go up automatically, playoff spots go to Nottingham Forest, Huddersfield Town, Sheffield United and Luton Town and relegated are Peterborough United, Derby County and Barnsley. In the Premier League, we have Aston Villa have scored 1-0 up away to Burnley. So a blow for Burnley and a boost for Leeds and Everton as they battle to survive. Danny Ings with the goal. And also it is 2-0 to Brentford against Southampton in the three o'clock kickoffs. Goals there from uh, Pontus Janssen and uh, Joanna Wissa at the Brentford Community Stadium. It's Chelsea nil, Wolves nil and Crystal Palace nil. Watford nil. So you don't think that Damien Delaney that in any way there'll be an anti-climax for City winning the Premier League they'll just put it out of their minds they'll regroup and they'll go for this and there'll be no effect. Um, I wouldn't say that serious. I think the players will definitely regroup. Um, the huge disappointment but as I said earlier those players are incredibly mentally tough. They will you know if, they, if, if, they, if that was in their makeup their personalities that you know when something went wrong, they threw the toll in and, and, and gave up. They wouldn't have got to the level they got to, you know. As I said, they all have experienced adversity. Um, I think they'll quickly be able to refocus. The two days off will probably do them the power of good. Um, and Pep will have them banging. And, and once they, you know, win or get the first win this weekend, which I expect, fully expect them to, then I think they'll get back on the horse really, really quickly. And, um, you know, they're not going to throw uh, a good season away because they got hit with two late goals uh, against Real Madrid. 
53106 Sean has been in touch hi lads Klopp would win the Champions League if he was City manager and will probably win it as Liverpool manager uh, is Guardiola guilty of overcoaching his players doesn't seem to be able to think critically at clutch points fact has happened so many times to his teams in Europe in the last 10 years would suggest so says Rory do you agree Damien yeah, I, it, it, it's a legitimate um, statement. Absolutely, you know um, my thoughts on the game the other night, or just on that game alone. That I, I didn't think it was a, a collapse where they dropped back in a six-yard box and and gave the ball away, and you could see they were clearly, you know, frightened and and, and panicked. Um, so that was on that game. But I think overall, yeah, I think the players are so well drilled. You know, they're told exactly what they can and can't do, and and I'm pretty sure if somebody goes off script. Um, you know, it's brought up on the Monday morning and, and they're told not to do that, to trust the process, trust the team. You know, if you do your job and you get stopped, somebody else has a bit of space, this this type of thing. And it probably does eliminate the thought for for or the, the, the possibility of, of independent thinking or freedom of expression um, to a certain point. Um, so, yeah, it's a legitimate claim. Not, not, J- JD, if, if, if you think back to the to the documentary, which which I, I really enjoyed, and I know, look, there's an element of... of performance maybe and knowing the cameras are on but I suppose they were you know real team talks what he kept stressing in the dressing room what Pep kept stressing in the dressing room to the players both around training sessions and around match day was uh you know I I give you ideas I I uh, we work on how to bring the ball to the final third guys and then he kept saying guys once we're in the final third it's all on you you guys can do things with the ball i could only ever dream of i give you a pattern to get to the final third but now it's all on you you come up you do your thing um and that i mean that was you know that seemed to be very much his rhetoric during that whether that's changed or whether that's uh, the reality of the situation whether he does give them complete freedom in 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 the final third i don't know but that that's what he was trying to push during the documentary anyway 53106 I fell for Pep he looked shocked he didn't know what to do I have to say actually I'll just finish the text Madrid have been riding their luck in the Champions League the referee was kind to them as a Liverpool fan I would have liked an all Premier League final Diaz has been fantastic I think Pep really conducted himself very well actually the, 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 I know look it's this is first world problems here but you know the, 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 he must have been absolutely crushed after what happened there but I, I even led the bulletin lads on and I just kind of almost did this subconsciously and I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying I'm thinking back Pep has failed was my thing and that maybe suggests to me that Pep is the, such the dominant figure there is there maybe a leadership deficit on the other side when, when I think about Real Madrid you've got an avuncular guy like Carlo Ancelotti um, the players like him they see him as a, a father figure mentor and then they have the character Maybe once again, if if Grealish scores, you don't have this kind of uh, debate. But you read the book, Shane Keegan. You read the Ancelotti book. You can tell us all about him. Ah, uh, look, it, it, John. It was it was genuinely. It's the best. I'm not just saying it in hindsight because of what happened the other night. It, it's the best uh, sports management book that that I've ever read. Definitely. Now, look, that. I mean, I've had this conversation with you before that that when you're looking at at managers and trying to turn to learn things from managers, I think you have to try and match yourself up against managers who you share personal characteristics with, never mind kind of managerial characteristics with. And I suppose his whole approach, as I've said, look, Alex Ferguson was an absolute genius. And don't get me wrong, I have read Alex Ferguson books and I have picked up bits and pieces, but I just his style of management would have been very different. I don't think I'd be capable of being the ruthless kind of all all conquering kind of leader that he was. Um, I would be kind of more about working with the players and kind of, you know, 
doing this as a team now don't get me wrong you still need leadership at the top of it absolutely but that's very much Angelotti's way and obviously I'm sure you've seen the social media clips that have come out since where where Tony Cruz has come out and said that that Angelotti actually called himself and Marcelo to get their opinions um, in the middle of extra time in relation to the next substitution he was going to make that didn't surprise me in the slightest having read the book because he just he always talks about that that you've got such a wealth of um, knowledge amongst your player base that he he is all for kind of not sharing leadership again, but but certainly taking their opinions on board. Um, even when he arrives at a club, John, he was going on about how when he arrives into a club, it's very much a case of well, what would suit the players here? What style of play would suit the players here? What style of uh, what what formation would suit the players here? And then he looks at all that, and then he you know he alters his training methods and he alters his way of playing to suit what he thinks gets the most out of the players. I mean, a couple of examples he gave were that famous Christmas tree formation that he basically invented at AC Milan because he had five ridiculously talented centre midfielders. So he he came up with a way of trying to squeeze all five into the starting team and it worked really well for him. And the other example he gave was, um, he, he gave, look, the book is brilliant. He gives so many examples. That's what makes it great. He, he tells you, kind of gives you all the tricks of the trade right throughout his career. But um, he talks about Ronaldo and initially landing at Madrid and Ronaldo was playing left um, and Ronaldo comes and knocks on the door after a couple of games and walks in and basically says, boss, this, this is not working for me. This is not working for me. I'm, my, my days on the, the left are behind me. I think I, I, you know, you need to change. You need to get me center forward or you need to change the formation that, and I, I need to be closer to the goal. Um, and Ancelotti says, you know, so many managers would have got angry with him or told him to get out. I'm the boss. I'll do what I want kind of a thing. But again, with Angelotti, it was a case of, well, he is my true world, world-class player. I find it hard to believe that I'm going to win a Champions League or a league title without him being at his best. Yeah, I'm going to give him what he wants here. And he literally changed the entire system to try and suit what he thought would get the most out of Ronaldo. And again, it, it paid dues because he went and won the Champions League. Now, it's not always going to, it's not always going to pay dues, but... Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a terrific book. The other thing, JD, was I, I, I went back to UCD a few years ago to do a, a, a master's in, in sports performance and coaching. And we were very, very lucky in that the guy who leads that course, um, the guys might be aware of a guy called Shea Kelly, who went over to, he's, he's an awfully man, who went over to England as a goalkeeper um, and came back and is now kind of head of sports studies at, at UCD, I think. He actually got Professor Chris Brady, who ghost wrote Carlo Angelotti's book um, and this was maybe a year after I had read it he got him in as one of our guest lectures so again he gave us tremendous insight into to Angelotti's way of working and how he communicates and how he thinks and just for me as as a manager and given the management style I tried to apply I found it very much aligned with with Angelotti and I've had a huge 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 liking for him everywhere he's gone I've kind of kept my eye and shouted for his teams the whole way along so Part of me wanted City to win the other night because I'd have loved to see that final. Um, but when I saw the reaction and when I saw Angelotti at the final whistle and all that, I, I couldn't help but have a big broad smile too, you know. Is he somebody, Damien, you'd like to play for, Angelotti? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have as great a knowledge there as what Shane has. I haven't read any of his books. Um, I always wondered what type of manager he was um, because he's so quiet. You never hear or see anything of him. Um but I suppose the one thing I always look for with managers is after they leave a club, 
you never ever see anything bad ever said about him. Like you never see any player come out and criticize him. I can't remember ever reading that. And that's very, very rare because at some point in a football club, you'll have a group of players that you'll have upset and, and usually there'll be an interview leak out or, or something where there's not, not damning criticism, but some form of criticism. And I can't ever say that I've, I've ever heard anything about him. And I suppose that is a, is a, a, as good an indictment as, as, as you're ever going to get, you know? JD, the, the, the one other point I'd make from it, I'm sure it'd be interesting to see, I'm sure Damien would probably, if you think of managers that you've had in the past, Damien, he, make, he makes a brilliant point, John, in that he says, look, we're all different people. We've all got different characteristics. We've got different ways of managing. Whatever is different about you compared to other managers, when you are successful, everybody will point to those as the reasons why you are successful. As soon as you are unsuccessful, everybody will point to those exact same characteristic traits as the reason why you are unsuccessful. So he said, for example, at Madrid, he followed in Mourinho. He said, they purposely got me after Mourinho because Mourinho is all about, you know, conflict and, you know, ego and all that. And he said, I would be seen as the opposite. He said, I'm I'm more about bringing everybody together and creating calm and peace and, and, and people wanting to get on. And he said, so I was the ideal manager for them in their eyes. And it worked. We won the Champions League in my first year. He said, I was the same manager in the second year, but once results started to go the other way, now it's a case of, oh, he's too laid back and, oh, he's not hard enough on the players. And he says, the exact same characteristics now get a very, very different spin. And now they're the reasons why I'm unsuccessful. He's bang on there, you know. Well, it's about opportunities. It's about people continuing to give you opportunities. Like he had, what, two seasons at Paris Saint-Germain, one season at Bayern. He was at Everton last year. I call it the great escape from Everton with Carlo Ancelotti. So I think it's about people giving you opportunities. And like Florentino Perez is much maligned, and I would malign him, um, has given him an opportunity. And he's seen obviously something in him that would allow him to be possibly the first ever manager to win four Champions Leagues. Got to take a break. Damien Delaney, Shane Keegan and Dan McDonnell on Football Saturday. 53106 for your texts. We're back after this. Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? I just can't get that picture in Steven Gerrard walking out of the Etihad, you know, wearing that Liverpool jersey underneath the suit, a bit like Superman, Claire Kent. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. Andrew, welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until eight this evening on this extended show. We're bringing you live commentary of Leinster's game ago away to Leicester in the Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinals. Munster are playing Toulouse at the moment. What is the latest, Alan Quinlan? Uh, it's fourteen-seven, John, to Toulouse, and their power is starting to tell. Uh, two or three scrums, they drove Munster off it. Um, Munster, they got a penalty from one of those scrums, went to the corner. Munster repelled the Toulouse mall, got a brilliant turnover, held it up. And uh, they had a five-metre scrum themselves defending their own line, Munster, and they just got drove off it from the resulting uh, turnover. Toulouse just put it through the hands, and Mathis LaBelle scores in the corner from... uh, It's looking ominous just with their power. Certainly worrying. The crowd has gone a little bit quieter. There's certainly a a bit of worry about that power and that scrum, and, and that's an area... That's been the difference, really, in the last 10... 12 minutes John is the scrum um, they've just exerted incredible pressure and power there uh, Julian Marchand he's the captain for today French hooker uh, incredible power from them and, and it's once they're struggling they're kind of hanging in there they have a scrum now on the 10 yard line in the Toulouse half but there's a war, big worry about this scrum now. Can Munster get it right, win the ball? They look quite good, Munster, when they have the ball, putting it through the hands. 
but uh, Toulouse's power is telling at the moment OK Quinny thanks so much 28 minutes on the watch at Lansdowne Road Toulouse 14 points Munster 7 right now though football Saturday until 5 don't miss Man City against Newcastle and Super Sunday Live only on Sky Sports our coverage and off the ball brought to you by Sky Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent in the studio with me Damien Delaney the former Republic of Ireland international and Shane Keegan the UEFA Pro Licence coach are on the line Premier League latest scores Burnley struggling 2-0 down to Aston Villa as Burnley tried to survive those goals from Danny Ings and Emmy Buendia at Turf Moor. It is Brentford 2, Southampton 0. Chelsea 1, Wolves 0, subject of AAR. So we'll come back to you on that one. And Crystal Palace 1, Watford 0, Damien's old club. Uh, Crystal Palace 1-0 uh, up, Wilf Zaha with a penalty at Selhurst Park. Brighton against Man United is a half-five start. Liverpool against Spurs at 7.45. Also let you know in the Women's National League, Shelburne 0, P-Man United 1 is the latest score from Talca Park. It is Sligo Rover one Galway two at the showgrounds and in the Christie Ring Cup a result Kildare 525 Wicklow 310 latest score Mayo 222 Sligo 120 it's hard to believe that they could do the lot Damien Delaney but Liverpool it's, it's, it's still on this quadruple yeah, just just to Chelsea goal was ruled out there. I was just watching. There you go. It. Yeah, it's the it's the maddest um, maddest VAR. It's, it's a bit of pinball in, in the six yard box. They had to look at it from about six different angles, and uh, there's so many feet in there. I'm not sure where they were drawing lines, but it's been given as offside. It's probably the correct decision, but I'm not really sure. Um, sorry, John. Uh, Liverpool. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They could. Um, absolutely, they could. They've got the the strength and depth um, to do it. And obviously, the Premier League would probably. Be very very difficult for them because you know they need Man City to, to drop points, but that would mean they'd also need to be flawless between now and the end of the season. But look, you know, last year they, they struggled at centre back and that cost them. They've addressed that and and, and then some this season, and um, they're no able to rotate five or six players for the front three positions. Um, Thiago seems to be getting better and better, and really has given that Liverpool midfield a different dimension. Um, of, of, of controlling the ball and controlling the tempo of games. One of his most amazing games the other night against Villarreal, but some of his um, games recently have been absolutely sublime. Fabinho is 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 growing and, and, and morphing into, I think, the best number six in the world. A um, lot of things he does, you know, filling passing lanes, incredible, um, slowing counter-attacks down, getting little touches on things. Very rarely seen him go to ground, you know, sliding last-ditch tackles. Very rarely see him you know, giving away bad fouls, slight tugs of jersey possibly, but um, he's really growing and growing too. So look, they're in a good spot. Life is good if you're a Liverpool fan right now and they are motoring um, towards all four and I don't see any reason why they couldn't do it. Would you play Canate uh, in the Champions League final? Would you play Diaz, Damien? I think I think Canate uh, for me and, and Van Dijk just visually are the most formidable looking centre-backs, um, both quick as anything. Um, he really has settled. He had a couple of issues early on with this, with the high line that they played. You know, perhaps wasn't used to the, the 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 length they hold and, and the refusal to run in behind. But he seems to be getting a hang of it now. Um, and then across the front, man, you'd really have to break down. Um, you'd have really have to break down that Real Madrid defence. And Carvajal playing right back. Um, I think he's slowed down a little bit this year. Still gets it done just on pure heart. Um, but I could imagine if he had somebody like. Diaz um, playing against him. Having said that, Sadio Mane could do equally as much damage to him. Um, but I think pace is what will really kill that that Real Madrid uh, back four. Uh, Toes, uh, a really, really good player, but he's, he's, he's loose, man. He does some really strange things. Um, and I think speed is what will get them. So I would go for my quickest front three, which for me would be Salah, Diaz, and uh, probably... Uh, 
geez, I picked the bones out of the third one, but I would go with Diaz and Salah and then maybe, you know, Mane, I suppose, would have to start too. So that would probably be my front three. What do you, I just wonder, like, maybe Damien or Shane on this because... You know, I'm trying to think is there a comparison I don't know the year you got to the FA Cup final Damien maybe that it's a strange one now because Liverpool are going to be immersed in this title race and it has I mean it can be very taxing and demanding I, I think like, they're a better side than Real Madrid for me but at the same time Madrid have the title won yeah. they have the long build up to this final and you can like, you can spin it whatever way you want but I don't know from experience do you still think like the competitive edge of Liverpool has been involved in the title race but the flip side of that is it can also be draining too if they fall short like could, could this influence it in any way you know that Madrid Maybe. now can focus completely on this game with a slightly older squad or you know in certain departments you know they, they're they not going to be they're not going to be sort of doing that and silly in the next couple of weeks yeah, well, I mean look it, it, only the, only once we see the game we, we can pick pick the bones out of that one because you know you could say that they'll be rested for, for two or three weeks going into the final or Liverpool will be battle hardened they'll be kind of moving mm. but the Champions League is the, the 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 last one they'll play, right? The Premier League will be ironed out a week uh, before, yeah. Week before when the FA Cup final is next week. Even know when, next week. So look, I suppose if they lose one, you know, I don't. I, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. difficult to answer that. It's it's it, it it depends. I think that Liverpool's team. The the biggest thing for Klopp will be keeping focused on whatever tournament they're playing in Premier League to the, this weekend. And then obviously the FA Cup, and then you know the Premier League will kind of sort itself out. So, but the Champions League sells itself as if you're a player. So I think you know that's the last one, that's the huge one, that's the one they really want, and they have the squad to rotate it. You know that's the most important thing for them. You're not flogging the same group of players for the next. Uh, God, how many games they got left? Ten maybe if if if, if they play um, all of them. Ten ten games maybe. So. Um, difficult one to answer that Dan to be honest yeah no I like, listen it's, it's one of, you, you can probably flip it every, everywhere you yeah. want I suppose yeah. that's where the rotation they have now is the thing that gives them the option as opposed to being flogged because just as the intensity they play at you always wonder is there a danger of but we saw that against Villarreal in the first half and yeah. it was four quarters they lost one quarter they won the other three quarters but they were definitely a completely different team in the second half mm. and that's maybe because Villarreal flagged as well you know yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, was it the Liverpool Spurs Champions League final? It was don't don't mention that. But that was very flat, though, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, flat. It was terrible. It's one of the worst games you know, of all time. And it just it can happen, you know. It can happen. It's just the one thing when you get when you have this date a long way in the diary, you know. For all yeah, there was a huge yeah. gap between whatever reason. There was a big gap. I remember it was the first of June, twenty nineteen. I'll never forget it because uh, mm. I don't think I was sober by the time it actually kicked off. To be honest, <laughs> um, <laughs> certainly weren't at the end of it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I still have to pull you up on your Man City winning the Champions League. Well, like, you, well, you it only like took you 45 minutes. It was like Isterbrack winning the champion <laughs> hurdle in 98. I was thinking of you. Yeah, the first thinking, person said this week, actually, on I was, News Talk. I was, I was, I was thinking, waiting for a bit. I was, I was, I was thinking of you because yeah, I was yeah, thinking, you yeah. know, Isterbrack cruised over the last one. Yeah, yeah. There was no Madrid sized hurdle. More of an Annie Power and, situation. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, yeah. yeah, so well, that's. But you knock out football, you just can't. You can't. No, I need to go back to banking it. Golf tipping, golf tipping, golf tipping. Um, can Spurs cause problems for Liverpool tonight Damien what about the fullbacks could they get behind the fullbacks um, the way Spurs play um, <laughs> yeah a lot of people have been asking that question for a number of years and uh, it's getting um, it's getting more and more difficult obviously everybody knows that weakness with Liverpool nobody ever seems to be able to get any joy out of it consistently uh, teams are having moments against them um, but I think that Liverpool juggernaut rolling into town is going to be uh, too much for Spurs the, the pace that Liverpool play at um, the momentum that they're carrying at the moment, um, I, I, I don't think so, to be honest with you. But it wouldn't be 
unlike Antonio Conte, just to throw uh, uh, an oil, uh, a fly in the ointment, really. But it's going to be a cracking game either way. I do like Spurs under Conte. I think they're heading in the right direction. I hope he gets the backing that that he needs and wants to to, to rid the club of the, the, the players that he wants out and to get in his types of players and really turn Spurs into a, a force that you know can be challenging for trophies and, and, and top four on a, on a regular basis and maybe even a good run the Champions League last year. I think if Spurs... I think they missed the, the boat a little bit with, with Pochettino when they didn't back him after that yeah. Champions League final. I hope to God they don't miss the boat with this fella um, because he is the type of manager, if he doesn't get who he wants, there's a fair chance he might not be there at the start of the season um, because he's not going to stand on ceremony while Daniel Levy plays games and, and, and signs players that he doesn't want or keeps won't get rid of players that he doesn't want. Um, I think he'll walk and he won't be short of offers either. So I hope Spurs uh, fully... Uh, so I hope Spurs don't, you know, this opportunity away and they fully back this guy in the summer well spot on uh, Romero's uh, as a defender he's got a bit of an edge about him He's he, I've, I've seen him a couple of times live have you been impressed by him yeah absolutely um, fabulous player I love his, his front foot um, uh, uh, defending that seems to be the way defending is going right now that the the, 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 the high risk decision making just seems to be like just make it and we'll, we'll pick up the pieces after it um, and a lot of these players are so good they're so fast um, that um, they're they're getting away with it, you know. I see some of these centre backs make some decisions, and I just think myself, going into areas. You're thinking just just bide your time, stay goal side. There's no rush, um, but they just seem to be so front foot that that there's no no patience. It's probably a bit too harsh, but they're just. And he's one. He's right out of that school, to be honest. With you. What do you think is going to happen this evening, Chain? Uh, like, I think one thing that will benefit Liverpool. It's a night game. It's almost like a European night. Anfield will be rocking. They, they thrive on emotion and momentum and that might be difficult for Spurs. Yeah, um, look, I'm just thinking back to when we played them at, at, at White Hart Lane, JD, and that was that was an absolutely cracking game. And I mean, you you said that at the start there, can they try and get in behind the, the full backs? Um, and there's absolutely no doubt Spurs had huge success that night getting in behind the full backs. Absolutely huge success. They set up with the, the 5-3-2 or the 3-5-2, whichever you want to call it, um, which I think is definitely the system that, that has consistently given Liverpool the most problems, that you, you try and keep two reasonably high to run down the outsides of, of whichever two centre-halves Liverpool go with. Um, and, and and Spurs were devastating at that. And like I'm actually, I, I've, I've got the starting eleven in front of me. Would you believe our, our, our mid Field three in that game, JD was was Harry Winks, Undomble, and Deli Ali. Um, obviously, we're probably looking at a very, very, very different. I would be surprised if any of those three feature in in the no, starting lineup. Um, no, they won't. You won't have any of those three in the in the lineup this evening. Um, but but we, I thought Spurs did very, very well in that game and and did cause Liverpool big, big problems. Look, as you and I both know, the problem with Spurs is the complete and utter lack of consistency. Whereas it's the exact opposite with Liverpool. You know what you're going to get with Liverpool. They're going to be absolutely bang on the money. Um, and if 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 Spurs are anyway not at best whatsoever, there's only one result. But but a Tottenham team at their best with Kane and Son set up there as the front two, as I say, to draw you know, will drop off. There's no doubt we'll drop off and let Liverpool have it and try and play on the counter. But I, I do think those two are probably as good as any two in the Premier League in terms of how the issues that they could cause Liverpool. So I don't think it would be the the, the, the biggest shock in the world for, for Spurs to get something from the game tonight. JD, do you th- oh, sorry, uh, Shane, do you think that um, 
uh, Thiago gives Liverpool a different dimension in retaining the ball and that like before with Henderson there was a lot of balls spun around the corner forward passes early and, and, and they turned the ball over quite a bit you know um, and it gave a chance then to, to spin down the sides of, of, of what you're saying there with the two front players but with Thiago I think Liverpool are an awful lot more measured they're dominating the ball an awful lot and, 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 and starving teams of those opportunities whereas before you might have had 10 opportunities to get on the side of them now you're only having two or three and I suppose the probability of scoring from that is hard. De- definitely, definitely. And I think he's he's playing that well. He really is playing that well, Damien, that there's almost no point in trying to press him whatsoever because he just, you know the way he goes about it with the eyes in the back of the head. You, you go and try and press him and sure, it's pointless because you have to be there on his first touch. You can't let him have it. He, he, never ta- he almost never takes the first touch. He's just passing it with the first touch. I mean, <laughs> I spoke about the Spurs midfield there to emphasise um, the gulf in, in quality in terms of... of, of the, the Liverpool side they'll be coming up against. Would you believe the, the Liverpool midfield tree in that game I'm looking at here was Morton, Milner and Keita. Um, yeah, the COVID so, issues at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously that that will will be massively, massively strengthened in comparison to, to, to that game. And look, that's it. You you are just going to have to allow them to have the ball because they're, they're keeping it so, so well. Again, I couldn't agree more with Damien in terms of Fabinho. I think he's been outstanding and I think it gets overlooked just how good a player he is he, he is absolutely fantastic but look if, if Spurs as I say if yeah. they're super super patient and wait for those interceptions you'd never know what they could do OK half time in the rugby Munster against Toulouse Alan Quinlan how's it going? Oh, it's 14 all John Keith there's just scored a great try before half time uh, pressure from Munster Demi Dialende uh, had a little mistake where he kicked the ball out in the full a few minutes ago but some of his carrying is outstanding his ball presentation and he got Munster right in near that line and they were able to put it through the hands little loop pass great catch from Josh Richley close to the line looked like he was going to knock it on and Toulouse just crammed in a little bit and Joey Carberry gives the pass over the top lands straight into the breadbasket for Keith Earls and he's in in the corner and Carberry gets the kick from the touchline he had missed a penalty a few minutes straight in front really out at the 10 yard line he just hooked it but Munster are the ones that are sprinting off the field at half time Toulouse walking off the field the referee Luke Pierce has warned Toulouse a few times to hurry it up get into the line outs they seem to try and slow down as much as they can but certainly then when they strike they look very very dangerous but Munster I think will be very very happy scrum issues in the first half no doubt they've got to try and rectify that they did a little bit later in the half but certainly they'll probably be happy going in at half time it's 14 all it's a belter of a match Brilliant stuff, Quinny. Uh, soft cells, tainted love uh, blares out through the speakers at Lansdowne Road. Half five start for. John's ready to head out and just abandon <laughs> the rest of the show till eight o'clock. Lanster, Lanster, Half five. Got live commentary. That's we got, we're on our air till eight o'clock. Uh, Shelburne have beaten Paymat one nil in the Women's National League. It's like a one goal by two in injury time. And in the Premier League, half time. Great news for Leeds and Everton fans because Aston Villa are two nil up away to Burnley. It is Brentford two, Southampton nil, Chelsea nil, Wolves nil, and Crystal. Palace won Watford nil all half time scores Brighton and Man United kick off at half past five Liverpool against Tottenham at 7.45 football Saturday all the way between four and five Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent the former Republic of Ireland International Damien Delaney and Shane Keegan the UEFA Pro Licence Coach get your texts in on 53106 we're on the air from four until five football Saturday then we got the commentary of Leinster and Leicester we're on the air until eight this evening on Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk don't go away 
Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports and you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until eight this evening on this extended show. We're bringing you live commentary of Leinster against Leicester in the Champions Cup quarterfinals at the moment. Munster 14, Toulouse 14 at Lansdowne Road. We've got Quinny down there with updates throughout the next hour. This is Football Saturday though for the moment. Uh, you can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation, listen on News Talk, watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Damien Delaney. Dan McDonald and Shane Keegan with us. Let's get some half times from the Premier League and a huge game of turf more. Burnley against Aston Villa reporting Adam Jury. Aston Villa hold a commanding 2-0 lead away at Burnley which will frustrate the host because while Burnley have worked possession well they've been punished for being wasteful in front of goal the villains took the lead 7 minutes in when Buendia fed Ings into the box the former Claret striker slotted into the left corner on 31 Buendia turned from goal creator to goal scorer as he found the back of the net with a deflected strike inside the box as it stands Villa are on course to record back-to-back wins half-time at Turf Moor it's Burnley nil. Aston Villa 2 half-time at Stamford Bridge Chelsea against Wolves Andrew Cheel Chelsea nil, Wolves nil. Chelsea have had the ball in the net twice, both times this allowed. Alonso's corner, pinball at the far post, Loftus cheek stabbed home, but VAR took an age to rule it offside. Earlier, Werner had the ball in the net. He was judged to have shoved his defender. No need for VAR on that occasion. Werner and Lukaku have also forced decent saves from the Wolves keeper. Chelsea keeper Mendy had one save to make, parrying a firm shot by Neto. It's Chelsea nil, Wolves nil. Halftime Crystal Palace against Watford from Selhurst Park reporting Ian Beach. Crystal Palace 1, Watford 0, Wilfried Zaha's penalty, the only difference between the teams. The games followed a predictable general pattern. Palace's creative players, Zaha, Eberich Eze, Conor Gallagher and Michael Alise forcing Watford to hurry back and pack their penalty area. And in a roundabout way, that led to the penalty, given when Alise headed the ball against the arm of defender Hassan Kamar. VAR checked the decision and Zaha scored from the spot. Crystal Palace 1, Watford 0. And half-time Brentford against Southampton, this one from London from George Alderman. Half time here and it's Brentford 2, Southampton 0. Two goals in a minute from the home side, putting them in charge. The first, Pontus Janssen, the Brentford captain, scrambling home from a corner after good work by Ivan Tony, And then moments later, Johan Wissett with a really good effort from the edge of the area, curled into the bottom corner. Southampton did have the ball in the net just before half time. A really good finish from Adam Armstrong after Christian Eriksen's pass was cut out. But he was offside. Brentford looking a threat from set pieces and on the break. And that's where their goals have come from. They lead Southampton 2-0. Celtic have effectively wrapped up the Scottish Premiership title 4-1 win over Hearts today. Hasn't changed after the final day of the Championship in terms of the playoff spots. Huddersfield, Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United and Luton Town in that order. Bournemouth and Fulham are already up. Derby, Peterborough and Barnsley relegated to League One. Uh, Just a shout out, as I mentioned earlier before, about memorabilia. Um, so I'm giving another shout out to listeners about valuable football memorabilia. Maradona's Hand of God shirt went for over 7 million quid this week. Do you have anything valuable you think is priceless? Would you, you'd never flog or maybe you suddenly think about selling? 53106 at the cost of 30 cent. Shane Keegan, you sent in a photograph. I know we've had this debate before, but we put it up on the screen for anybody watching on the digital or social channels. Uh, a framed Maradona shirt, which is, is a sign by Diego? It is, it is signed, John, yeah. Um, as you say, look, I think I might have given the bare, bare bones of this story before, so apologies to anybody. Are you thinking uh, of selling it now, Shane? Definitely not. No, 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 definitely not. Um, <laughs> the backstory on it, John, as I say, it's 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 a good one. Um, 
first jersey, first jersey I ever had was Maradona's 1986 uh, World Cup jersey. I would have been four at the time. And uh, yeah, a good few years back, many years my married. It was short, coming up towards my wedding uh, eight, nine years ago now at this stage. And um, my mom, as part of a work function, went to a, a charity event. And part of the charity event was that they had a silent auction for various different memorabilia. And uh, by her own admittance, Mam had had maybe a couple of glasses of wine um, and up came the Maradona jersey and she decided nothing but uh, her little boy had to have this jersey given that was the first jersey he ever owned. And she still won't tell me what she paid for it. Thankfully, all I was told was to make sure I put it on my house insurance. I dread to think what she did she put down in the silent auction. But uh, yeah, I'm now the proud owner of it, John. Cherished. Great story. I would, I would have expected more clarity from Shane about when his wedding was, though, to be fair. That was a slight <laughs> error. I would have thought that was a slight uh, aberration. It's not the type of thing you're going to go, I must have been around eight or nine years ago, Shane. I mean, really, just to be clear, you're on radio. You've said that out loud. Was, you're on national radio. Any need to highlight that? Yeah. I was just thinking that, that was a bit of a flippant sort of response, <laughs> whatever that was, you know. But he remembers specifically every detail about the Maradona jersey, which is an insight into the character. Like, you know what I was just thinking? I mean, like, I mean, Steve Hodge, it was. Who, yeah. who sold that like, you know, is it possible that he made more from that sale than he did in his career in his career you have to think so you know when you think you know, when he, the time that he played you know like he he, he would have sort of bled into early Premier League era so maybe he might have made okay money then he was England international but it is sort of a crazy story isn't it you know I mean I, I'd imagine some of his ex like you know I'm not being sort of um, even being you know, sort of, um, not mean to be flippant about it, but you you wouldn't know. Like, I think there was some members of that squad, like, would have subsequently fell on hard times in various yeah, yeah, ways, you yeah. know. And it's like, wow, like, you know, where, what what brought him to that place? You know, did he always think one day this would be? I don't know. I don't know what yeah, the reason. Or maybe he's spoken about it, and maybe I don't mean to be disrespectful if yeah. that's the case, but like, that's a uh, sort of an extraordinary tale, really, isn't it? I mean, I suppose it's sort of unique. It's not as if I don't know. Are there all these players out there now who are suddenly thinking, oh, I swapped shirts? was such and such and such and such a time like I just wonder is just there's something especially iconic around that that's probably sort of well, I, this this perfect moment I, for it maybe because I, I, when I, I was up in, um, in in Dublin during the week and I was talking to, to Jerry Armstrong and he was telling me one of his stories that uh, after one of his games he, he ended up getting platini shirt oh. <laughs> he said, and he said that's probably decreased in value yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it's like playing stocks and shares really isn't exactly. it that one it's like it's like check the news from uh, the latest news from UEFA it's like oh no you know <laughs> try, and, try and flog it to someone and you know just turn off their Wi-Fi. you know I can see what you yeah. should do uh, I, I was on Twitter uh, my own Twitter at John Duggan Sport I got some of the following replies Ricky Garrity is the signed Man United ball from the 1999 treble winning team he paid 900 euro for at a charity auction I wonder what it's worth now or what it will be worth um, Alan's got an Ireland jersey from 1934 and Sheen's got the last ever Ireland shirt worn by Packy Bonner uh, signed Ritz also emailed in photos of two walkout jackets from Tottenham's League Cup finals of 1971 and 1973 got some text in here on 53106 I've got a few France 98 mouse mats still in the packs I got as a promo when working in sales wouldn't part them for love nor money 10 euro each says Mark and Tala and uh, I've got a Damien Delaney shirt worn uh, from the Ireland-Poland friendly, worth a fortune, says Kieran and Cargilline and Cork. I don't know if you know Kieran, Damien. 
Absolutely not. I'll buy it off you, Se- Seven quid, <laughs> 70. I don't know, on the scale of the Maradona. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I take that. Did you, did you, I don't know. Did you keep your cup final jersey around like that, Damien? Or did you swap that? Or? Um, no, you still have that, yeah. Mm. Um, they're all in storage, though. Um, everything everything that I had is in storage. I haven't taken it out yet. Yeah. Um, some people are very like particular, aren't they? About some this? people are, yeah. are not. You see, Myler might be on and he is framed jerseys and yeah. stuff. I don't know. Are you that way inclined, Absol- Damien? Definitely not. Absolutely no. not. No, no, I don't. They're all in, in, um, in cardboard boxes in, in a storage unit. Um, like, you know, obviously boots from, from games that you would have played in and stuff like that. So, um, I'll get it at some point but no definitely not it's not something that I, I would like to wake up every morning and look at to be honest with you yeah, I, I have boxes full of like lanyards and match tickets and programmes yeah. and do you know what I mean like people go to these programme fairs they actually are a big thing I, it's, yeah. I think it's my ex- my excuse for like cluttering up you know sex is there anything you value or like a really I don't know yeah. I've just put it all there and then in years to come I mean I'm not you know it's not like you know I've been to you know, three World Cups and yeah. you know finals and stuff like that and I, I generally keep a lot of stuff and put it away and you sort of think maybe in, it's one of those things that in 10, 15, 20 years time you might open it up and go oh wow you know there's something there's the team sheet from France, Ireland and the Henri handball or something yeah, 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 and like yeah. maybe in some but to me it's more about keeping it for the keepsake rather than it but there is like a sort of a club of people who like buy programs well, the amount of responses and, on Twitter and that, that, but like, there's yeah. program fairs where people I mean there's people who actually you know they'd come up to people they'd come up to you after a game say in the press box and go have you got a team sheet in your program and you might think oh it's an act of kindness you know you give it no so people like very like they right. methodically collect this stuff okay. and then swap it you a whole little, yeah, little, you, little cottage industry there I think going on with it you know you know what I still have Dan is do you remember um, 94 World Cup and 96 Euros I think remember you had to like Mars and Snickers and all of those bars you had to hold on to the wrappers and send them in for the little pin collections right you get okay. the little pin of, of each of the different countries um, I remember holding on to, to we, used, we used to go into you'd go into a GA grounds after a match and should be rappers left in the stands all over the place we'd be scurrying around picking up all the rappers to uh, to send in to get the pins but the pin collections do look look really really well they are like you say they are a good kind of keepsake you know? I, I think wasn't there something I, I wonder were we doing this when we were doing the World Cup uh, rewinds and stuff I think, I think people might text in I think I know I'm trying to think is it a, my father-in-law or someone do you remember there was like a, people remember this it was like Italian 90 milk bottles and stuff like that it was, it was milk bottles yeah it was special milk bottles and I think I think that they was mentioned before. Maybe people text in and remember him that they kept a lot of them. Yeah, I have was, one at home, was, but yeah, I, there was specific yeah. Italian ninety ones. Wasn't it was there, yeah, I, I have one at home, but I never kind of thought it was a big deal. There was a Texaco did something around the World Cup. But a Texaco nineteen eighty six World Cup ball. I remember it was quite a big deal right, at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, milk bottles. I've got Pele here. Pele. Anybody who's watching on the the digital and social channels. So I'm going to raise your Maradona with Pele there, Shane Keegan. So. Do we? Oh, it's a signed photograph. Is it? It is signed photograph. Yeah. Yeah, was it signed by him? Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah. I met him. In. There was a <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just. I'm not being. I'm not, I just, you, think, you think JD signed himself? <laughs> Listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on JD's memorabilia. But you know, like, I think at times you do see people with signed stuff, and you know, well, there's were, actually photographic evidence. They would me, have, me and Pele. No, so, I know you yeah, met him. I know he was at the time. Yeah. But you know, at times, you know, there would be there might be certain minions assigned to. I yeah. don't know. Did you ever do that demo? Did you ever get? someone to do some you know no, do some correspondence no. on your behalf or something no no, absolutely no you, you never no, you never no. did no. Dan I was I, 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 I was at a club auction I won't say the club so we won't get them in trouble but I remember being at a club auction a good 10-15 years ago where uh, a Liverpool fan played about 
400 euro for a Liverpool jersey that was signed by Robbie Fowler it wasn't it's ours it was signed by the club chairman about 10 minutes beforehand <laughs> <laughs> you see there you go there's the evidence you know if, any, if anyone else wants to you know report any other sort of a signature fraud they can text in their, their tales as yeah well. and we'll report you to the local constabulary uh, 53106 last my birthday I wanted to bring my dad to his first Ireland game versus Gibraltar a few years ago Viva. he still has the match programme on his bedside locker brutal game but it's a keepsake of his first game yeah. it's a nice story yeah, that's it. You never know what these what certain games would mean to people. David, uh, Damien, did you ever want to swap jerseys with anybody, or is that something you never interested in, Anthony? Um, not really. No, to be honest with you, um, like maybe if you met someone after the game and stuff, you know, we when, like we the thing when, when we when we first went to Premier League with Palace, that like a lot of fellas were swapping jerseys, and uh, you get going to get wind that fellas were like organizing it before the game you know to get to get jerseys afterwards and stuff like so we, i remember we had a team meeting once about that saying like we can't we can't have that carry on you know that we weren't kind of like being tourists or anything like that so we were kind of saying look after the game you know if you, if you want to go and see the the, the opposition kit man or whatever and, and try and get a shirt or something do like but um i don't see anything wrong with it but i do see if, if people are already organizing before the game to get shirts afterwards then you know i, I think that was great for for our kind of morale, really, as fellas' heads are, are worried about that type of stuff. But but afterwards, a lot of people do it. Uh, I said there, Myler has, has a, a wall full of shirts and stuff, and some people treasure that, you know, it's memories and things. But um, I, I, I don't have anything like that, no. You know, with your kit, is it, do you get a new one each week or is it just recycled? Yeah, there? absolutely. But like, believe it or not, players get charged for, for swapping kits. Um, and I think they do that even right all the way to the top, top Premier League clubs. Um, it comes out your wages. Uh, so if, if if the club need to reprint a shirt, um, I think it, it works out. I think it was something like forty quid or something. Um, so that's why I never used to swap shirts <laughs> or give any away. <laughs> um, no, but I know that that, that even top Premier League clubs um, do take out players' wages. Um, so uh, mo- most players, I always had multiple, you know, two or three kits there just in case because I like to change shirts at half time and, and, and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, that's that's all, that's all that's really. that's mad about the dedu- but that just being like a, a pay slip or something that you'd have a little yeah, yeah, sort of deductions, little deduction. Yeah, yeah right. deductions. Yeah, like so. So if you order, you know, obviously you get a certain amount of complimentary tickets. But if you're taking need way more, and you need to organise them separately. Like when you get your pay slip, it'll be like deductions. Right. It'll okay. Like, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Of, of of extra tickets that you bought, or um, you know, uh, shirts and stuff. Yeah. Mm. We got Premier League scores uh, to give you latest scores. And now Aston Villa three, Burnley nil. So Burnley, uh, that's a big blow for them and their race to survive. And it's uh, the third goal from Villa scored by Ali Watkins. So Bundia and Ings and Watkins have all scored. Chelsea have scored a second goal. They scored uh, one just a few moments ago. So the first one came through uh, Lukaku from the penalty spot. And uh, they've just got another. We'll give you the score as soon as we have it. It's Lukaku again, John. Yeah, Crystal, Crystal Palace won Watford nil as well and Brentford 2, Southampton nil. So Everton and Leeds, maybe a bit of a glimmer of hope, Damien, for them ahead of their games tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's going to be um, an incredible uh, finish as well to, to, to the season to watch that battle unfold. Um, Leeds thought they were safe uh, at, at one point until... Uh, Everton went and beat Chelsea. Maybe not safe, but they they had a bit of a gap, and then and then er- Everton went and won that game and just dragged them all right back into it. Burnley losing today as well. I think they played thirty five. No, and the others on thirty three. Uh, Leeds on thirty four, maybe. Um, so it's going to be fascinating. Um, you know, there's two huge football clubs there in in Everton and Leeds that you know could be seriously detrimental to both clubs if they if they went down. Um, 
Burnley, I'm not saying it wouldn't be detrimental, obviously, but you know, they wouldn't have the, the wage bill the size of those other clubs have. And Burnley have always kind of kept within a certain remit financially. So uh, they'd have a lot, a lot of players that would go back into the championship and could happily come back out again. But whereas you'd imagine clubs like Everton and Leeds, you know, would lose an awful lot of players. It'd be very, very hard to motivate all those guys to go back into the championship. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how, how that plays out. Mm, I, I, the one thing I would say about Burnley is with their ownership situation and there's a real sort of leveraged buyout type yeah, thing going yeah, on the yeah. fear actually is if they do go down they could sink completely so that's the slight um, the slight caveat there but I think I mean, we might like I mean, we might discuss the relegation thing the fact that now Brentford are now effectively safe it looks like with today this said that the whole fixture list can take on a different complexion like both Everton and Leeds have to play Brentford now and you, you know, you saw the championship earlier on. You have some teams that are sort of on the beach or whatever, and, and at the end of the season, it's a you're, you're trying to assess the schedule and figure out what's better for you. I have a feeling the key game in the season might turn out to be Everton beating Chelsea last week. Right. Everton, I think, were in that psychological place of nearly being sort of five points behind, and then it just it starts to run away from you. Um, I think them winning that, and it may well be that Burnley all of a sudden. They're the ones who who run out of steam. I know they play Spurs. They have to play Villa again. Yeah, after the, and, today, and then yeah. and then and then they think they play Newcastle the last day of the season. So uh, Eddie Howe has a bit of history at Burnley and stuff too. So it may well be, although Everton still just have to get the points on the board. But playing Brentford and one or two of the games they have left mate, it may not be as intimidating as they were. Uh, we have Texan here in 53106 lads my memory serves me most of the England team against Argentina in the 1986 World Cup didn't want Maradona shirt as they were disgusted with the hand of God go oh you could be right actually with yeah. that yeah that actually yeah. there is opportunism at its best to be fair from Hodge he deserves that also wonder what Steve Hodge's shirt would raise for the Maradona family says uh, Eamon in Two Mile House enjoying the show as always um, I don't think Peter Shilton would have wanted it and probably still doesn't want it uh, lads I've got the Athlone AC Milan booklet in my man cave signed by all the Milan team including Trap himself Granddad gave it to me, says Sean Berry in Athlone. I think it was 1975, that game. And my uncle lived in Shrewsbury. He gave me a lot of old programmes from 1970 games of Shrewsbury versus Crewe, Wolverhampton, Coventry and Lowestoft, Maddest Collection, and in 1972, the Stoke-Chelsea League Cup final, the only gem. I, I remember Trapp telling us that, uh, like Trapp was a great storyteller, but he wasn't always bang on with the facts. He told us at one stage that he arrived to that <laughs> Athlone game via boat. <laughs> which I was thinking it's in the, which would have been interesting in the Midlands to be honest it's a anyway, Shannon maybe it's a maybe Shannon Cruz Shannon Cruz of some description but uh, I was like mm, I'm not entirely sure about that but you know it's a good story though yeah texts and tweets uh, if Liverpool lose three finals and Chelsea win the FA Cup who's had the better season Liverpool with just the League Cup or Chelsea with the Super Cup or Club World Cup third in the league and the FA Cup says Andy surely Liverpool even if they fail Damien they've had a better run Oh, yeah, I mean, to be competing on all four fronts uh, in, in early May is incredible. You know, the fans are getting some super, getting treated some super days out, you know, Champions League final, FA Cup final, League Cup final, and and, and then, of course, hanging every week in the Premier League on, on results and moments. I mean, the emotional turmoil Liverpool fans must be going through right now, even though times are good, um, is brilliant. That's what football is all about. Um, so I, I would safely say that Liverpool would feel they had the best season as well. Chelsea have had an awful lot of off-field issues as well so um, yeah you couldn't compare the, the, the two teams no they're going to be sold to Todd Bailey's group that's gone through uh, by the way so yeah mm. JD the, the, the cameras at the Chelsea game keep keep flashing to him he's, he's right. at the game uh, that, that incident there that Damien was telling you about earlier was, was quite comical because he you know they showed him standing up and, and celebrating and cheering and then he did that 
stupid American thing where they put their fingers in their mouth to wolf whistle and all this right. is going on. She's on message. He obviously knows the cameras are on him then. Yeah, I'd say so. But you, you'd want to see his face when it was this allowed. Like he, he really looked like he didn't understand what the hell VAR was. Like, what is this? What's going on? He, he couldn't wrap his head around it. Yeah, so uh, that's what's going on there. Let you know it's Munster 21 to lose 14. As a Munster ahead, we're going to go to Alan Quinlan after the break. So Munster, 51 minutes on the watch. And they have the ball and Carberry's kicked it towards the 22. So Munster in the ascendancy against Toulouse. And Toulouse have a, re- a yellow card, a yellow card. So Toulouse have got a player in the bin and he's just gone into the bin. So fascinating stuff. Are we going to have an All-Ireland semi-final between Munster and Leinster if Leinster can beat Leicester? That's our live commentary game here in Off the Ball. Half five kickoff with James Downey alongside Conor Morris for that. So we're on air until eight this evening and Football Saturday continues after the break with Dan McDonald, Damien Delaney and Shane Keegan. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. What? Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until 8 o'clock on this extended show this evening. We're bringing you live commentary of Leinster against Leicester in the Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinals. Munster lead Toulouse 21 14, 55 minutes on the watch at Lansdowne Road. And Toulouse of a man in the bin, five minutes still left on that yellow card. You can text us 53106, tweet us out Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation, listen on News Talk, watch us on the digital and social channels. For Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Joined by the former Republic of Ireland international defender Damien Delaney you wait for pro license coach Shane Keegan and the football correspondent of the Irish independent Dan McDonnell between now and five remember football and off the ball brought to you by Sky watch Liverpool versus Spurs tonight live only on BT Sport so Dan you were at Shamrock Rovers last night and the breaking news yesterday Stephen Bradley the head coach of Stain and after the 3-1 win over Finn Harps in the League of Ireland Premier Division he spoke to our reporter Oisín Langan yeah look it's obviously been a busy busy week um Obviously, uh, speaking to both clubs, weighing everything up, speaking to the players, speaking to the board of both clubs, um, and I just felt that that I was uh, I was right to stay here and, and I have I have unfinished business here. And, and um, when we sat down and had a chat, that's that's what I felt. What is that unfinished business? I just feel we can be better in every department as a as a team and as a club. I think we we need to keep striving to be better than what we were last year, the year before, and I feel that we can do that. I feel we have a really strong group. Um, time will tell whether we can do that or not but uh, that's the aim can we go and be better than what we were last year Is Europe a big part of that? Yeah it's a it's a big part but it's it's not the only part I think a lot of people make a lot of, of Europe and it is important in every aspect but it's not it's not the only thing um, defending our, our title is, is number one and, and obviously uh, Europe plays into that as well I've been having this discussion with people lately that players and managers no longer just have to jump at the first English offer that comes along, which kind of used to be the case. Isn't that a great sign of the league? Although there's still an awful lot to work, to do, an awful lot of work to do overall, but also specifically of Shamrock Rovers that you stayed because there was a time where most managers would be out the gap at any such offer. Yeah, look, I can only speak for myself. I, you're obviously right in what you're saying. That, uh, seem to be in the past that every manager or player that got the first opportunity was gone. Um, but I can only speak for myself that like I said I'm, I'm very very happy with my decision very very comfortable with it um, and when I spoke to the board here and, and um, my, my mind was put at ease with what we want to do we can achieve it here and um, like I said we have unfinished business so so uh, yeah it's time to focus and, and let's go and do it 
Why did you almost go, if that makes sense? What tempted you about Lincoln? Because Lincoln are a brilliant club. I think a lot of people in, in Ireland wouldn't have known a lot about them. But when you actually meet them and meet the people that run the club and, and the plans they have for the club, they're a really, really forward-thinking club, really good plans for the club. They're realistic in what they are and what they want to do. And they have a really realistic time frame and how they want to do it. So it's a really, really appealing uh, club and I've no doubt they will be successful. Um, so um, you'd be, you'd be uh, silly not to really, really consider it because, like I said, everything about them was was a uh, class. They were really, really good people and uh, really respectful and, um, yeah, really good football people. I'm sure at some point in the future you want to manage at a higher level, be that England, Scotland, or maybe even here. Maybe you can get Shamrock Rovers to that higher level if you get into the Champions League group stages. That is the higher level. It's, I don't think that's unattainable. It might take a few years, but I don't think it's unattainable. Are you worried that by saying no to this opportunity, you might not get it again? Or ca can you allow yourself to think like that? Oh, I think you've got to understand that you make decisions in, in every walk of life. And I'm always one that is, is very, very strong. When I make a decision, I'm comfortable with it. You can't ever live with regrets. You make a decision and you stand by it, and I've made my decision. Um, the, the future will be what it is. Um, I, I don't panic myself or worry myself about that. I want to challenge myself um, at different levels in different countries. Um, but I know when I want to do that and, and uh, how I'm going to do that. So um, I'm not under um, any sort of pressure. I don't feel maybe you never get it again. That doesn't come into me thinking. You make a decision on what's in front of you. And uh, what will be, will be. Stephen Bradley there. Munster further ahead. 24-14 looking good now in the Champions Cup. 20 minutes to go. So Stephen Bradley staying, Dan McDonnell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have been covering this story across the week. And um, overall, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm still a little bit surprised he didn't go, I have to say. Um, but, you know, across the week, you'd sort of be chatting to various people. And there was, I think, everyone outside Rovers, but around the game, seemed convinced he was going to go. You know, Rovers people I don't think ever really truly gave up. Um, but I'd imagine it was fairly uh, sort of finely poised in terms of where he went. And uh, I think that interview, you know, covers the tone of the interview I would have been sat in last night too. There was a couple of different ones, you know, that he, uh, I think there's no doubt he, he plans to go eventually. I think he has a sort of a timeline in his head about when that may be. Um, why I was surprised he didn't go was because I think going to the UK from here is a difficult thing to do. At the moment, there's no um, manager born in the 26 counties employed in the, the four leagues in the right. UK as a manager. It's hard. And Lincoln do, again, speaking to people maybe that work in the English scene, Lincoln do appear to be a well-regarded club. And you're getting a full pre-season. You know, they understand Bradley, what he wants to do, what he wanted to do, what type of style he plays. Uh, and you feel like he'd, he'd get more of a chance there than maybe you might get a maybe you might get a job with a bigger club, but it could be a more trigger happy club. And what is a pretty brutal environment over there in terms of job survival? Um, but the flip side and the reasons for staying is that he does have a good job here, and I suppose when you go, there's always a risk contained within it. And maybe maybe the most exciting year at Shamrock Rovers is ahead of them. They're going to be seeded in the European draw this summer on account of just a couple of results that have, have gone their way. I think the Liverpool result actually affected that with Villarreal um, being out of it. And, uh, you know, maybe he just didn't have that feeling in his gut that the time is right. But I'd be interested to hear the lad's opinions. I think maybe some people would think, you know, would think, oh, you just have to go to England when the chance comes. You just have to take it. Um 
and maybe there's an element that by saying no you're making yourself a little bit more hard to get by not jumping for that but it did appear to be a decent job you know but um, I think to be fair I think um, in a way there was a good buzz around Tala last night there's a big couple of months ahead of them it could be an exciting year for them and maybe this um, this gives everyone a confidence boost in that regard but I don't know I'd be interested to hear other opinions I've spoken a lot about this week Shane what's your opinion? The first thing I'd say on it, JD, is I, I think Steve and Bradley came across incredibly impressively in that interview. Um, I think he's handled the questions very well and he's been very open and honest there because you can hear in the way that he talks about Lincoln that he was seriously, seriously considering it. And I suppose that's what surprised me about it was uh, I don't think you have to jump at the first opportunity to go to England. I absolutely don't. I, I, and, I'm, and that's not what I'm saying. It's just I think you've got to look at have I got a real chance of being successful at this club? Am I going to be given the back end, the time? Um, is it the kind of project that appeals? And if the answer to all of those questions isn't yes, well, then don't take the job back away from it. The amazing thing here is I think the answer to all those questions for Stephen Bradley was probably was yes. I think he weighed it all up and he probably you can hear it in his tone of voice, the respect he has for the club. I think he looked at it and he went, yeah, this, this is a good club going in the right place. It seems to have the right people involved. Um, and, you know, there was almost no... Um, danger signs or reasons to say no to it and yet he's taken all that on board and he has still decided to say no and and that um that can only be because he's 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 so convinced by the project that he has at at Shamrock Rovers you know Dan and others have publicized that Dermot Desmond certainly had a you know had a word in in relation to the whole situation you would you would imagine and I'm purely speculating that 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 Stephen maybe and his staff have maybe have have you know, better terms maybe under contract or maybe may get certainly get better terms whenever that's renewed and and so they should, 100% so they should. But I think this would have been much bigger than, than money and I think Stephen just genuinely believes that he can achieve the aims that he wants to achieve over the next, you know, 18 months at the club that he's at. It is a risk. It is a risk because... Football management is arguably the most precarious occupation you can possibly have. Everything is wonderful and sunny in the world of Stephen Bradley and Shamrock Rovers at the moment. And I would be inclined to think it will stay that way for the next year to two years and, and possibly beyond. But you don't know. You never know. And, you know, Derry are coming strong. If Stephen didn't win the title this year and then went to another year and didn't win it again next year, all of a sudden your, your stock dro- drops dramatically. And that's where the risk is. But I have to say, listen to that interview, it's hard to do anything but 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 admire the stance that he's taken. I got text in here on 531. It's actually connected to Rovers on memorabilia. I'm a senior Rovers reporter from Milton. I have a treasured photo of Paddy Coates team who defeated Cork Athletic in the early 50s team. What a team, says Dolores. And it's a huge week for Shamrock Rovers with Sligo Rovers and Derry City coming to Tala over the next week. We've got two pairs of tickets to give away for Monday's game against Sligo. To enter, just text Rovers followed by your name to 53106. Tickets to Monday's game and Friday's match at Derry are on sale at shamrockrovers.ie. Got a breakaway. Aviva Stadium. Munster are ahead of Toulouse in the Champions Cup quarterfinal. Alan Quinlan. Yeah, John, it's incredible. The intensity here is just phenomenal. It's a, a big bit of pressure from Toulouse. Munster leading 24-14. Uh, Rory Arnold had a tackle there about 10 minutes ago. He's back on the field. In my opinion, should have been a red card on Simon Zeboy, lifting him above the horizontal. Uh, Zeboy stayed down injured. Uh, 
Mike Haley got a great try there from a Chris, Chris Farrell break. It's incredible. You know, Peter Romani coming up. He's off now. Big turnover for him. Toulouse are in the Munster 22. They have a line-out, but Munster defence and work at the breakdown has been exceptional. But Munster have, or Toulouse have unleashed the bench. All their power is on now, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Munster have got to weather this storm here. They've come up with some big defensive plays, but it's all pressure now to lose. Munster lead 24 14, 64 minutes gone. Thanks, Quinny. We got commentary of Leinster and Leicester at half five from Welford Road on air until eight o'clock this evening. Um, speaking with Stephen Bradley there, Damien Denny. It's hard, it's hard to leave your own country. I know you left when you were a young lad, and I think you went to Leicester first, was it, Damien? Yeah. Um, yeah, at least I follow that story quite closely. Um, in my own personal opinion, I think Stephen's made the correct decision. I don't, you know, Jumping at the first chance or the second chance, I think, doesn't matter. It's jumping at the best chance. And, and I think a club like Lincoln, uh, uh, you know, he, he said a lot of nice things about them there. I mean, it's it's in League One. Um, its budget would be considerably smaller. It's finished 17th this year. Um, you're taking over a job and obviously you want to be successful. I don't think that Lincoln would have the capacity to make it into the championship or get up near the top of that table, which means Stephen's working in a job where you're just trying to maintain and stay in the league. Um, and I don't think that's a good fit for him. Um, he's got the best job uh, in the country in terms of how well run Shamrock Rovers are. They've got the academy set up there. He's looks to have complete control of that football club and what he wants to do. Um, and I think there's better opportunities up the road for Stephen. I think, you know, if he does go, and he will be looking to go because every manager or every person is always looking to better themselves and if you've won the League of Ireland and you feel you've done everything you can do in this in, in, in this country, then you need to move abroad um, to keep bettering yourself. Um, so he will go eventually, but I don't think Lincoln was the correct opportunity. I mean, you know, you say what you want. They're, they're not a, in a massive football club. I think they're probably punching above their weight um, being in League One. I know you could argue that Luton are, are doing well in the championship, but, um, you know, maybe, you know, they have a better budget. Um, but I think Stephen would, would find it very, very difficult there. I think with this set of European fixtures coming up now, I would say Stephen, my own personal opinion is he's probably looked at it and said, there's far better opportunities up the road for me. If he has a good run in Europe this year, he's backed himself that he will be able to put a, a run together, win the League of Ireland again, and potentially have a good run in Europe, maybe qualify for the group stages of, of a European competition. And all of a sudden, the stock is way, way higher. Um, so I think it's the correct decision. I wouldn't have been jumping at Lincoln at all. I think that's a very iffy job for me. Um, I've lived in that part of the world. It's, 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 it's out on its own there on the East Coast. No disrespect to Lincoln. If there's any Lincoln fans listening, I've played at Lincoln. So I know what type of football club it is. Um, it's a lovely town. It'd be a lovely area to live. But Stephen's obviously seriously career motivated. And I think he's right to stick at it, get a good run in Europe, and there'll be much better offers up the road for him. Yeah, like he is, I suppose he is only 37, John. Like that is the thing. He's been in, you know, he's been in management a long time, but it's not like, I don't know. It's the only one, you know? What, 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 would, what, would, what would like success be for Stephen if he went and signed for Lincoln? I mean, realistically, it would be keeping him in League One. Well, so that, mean, so yeah. that means every year you're absolutely kicking and screaming, trying to better your squad just to keep your head above water. That's not an environment that Stephen wants to be in, especially with the type of football that he plays and the way he goes about the, the game. Because if you go on a bad run, all of a sudden you get relegated um, and then he's just, oh, sure, another League of Ireland manager, you know, uh, it ends up coming back to Ireland, you know? Yeah. I think convert a try. Sorry, Damien. Convert a try for Toulouse. Munster 24, Toulouse 21. Yeah. I, I, I take the point. I suppose the one thing I would say is, right, that Lincoln have, had gone for 
they were looking for Bradley because it's a particular type of appointment I think what you see in England now and even in League One you see certain managers who go to a team and I think you're right okay Lincoln's they were in the playoffs last year but in reality you know the Derby are coming down you know some of the teams mm. in that division Portsmouth mm. weren't in the playoffs whoever doesn't go up out of Sunderland Sheffield Wednesday whatever like there's massive teams in that division Wigan, but, yeah, but what I would say is like you see the likes of say Russell Martin went from MK Dons to Swansea um, the the manager at MK Dons now has a very good reputation. Even like even Brian Barry Murphy got relegated, but he got to Man City because of how his Rochdale team played. You know, so if Bradley went in there and he again is similar to Rovers, he he put a team together that had a bit of an identity and a style of play. It feels like there's a sort of a trend towards that type of manager over there, if you know what I mean. So in reality. Lincoln would have been maybe a, a stepping stone potentially over there but I, I totally see where you're coming from too in how it could go south very quickly and because he doesn't have say a CV over there you yeah. can be one and done if your first yeah. one doesn't go yeah. especially yeah. well but yeah. I could see that was I could see the argument for going though as well just the type of manager that's doing well there at the moment I can see he was previously sort of mentioned by MK Dons who again had a particular type and eventually hired a guy from Belgium who's been doing very well he's a Scottish guy who's been coaching in Belgium so they're going less for names now and maybe young coaches in the UK and maybe that's that's the bracket he's considered in if you know what I'm saying but and there's, there's well, definitely needs, there's he, that. his job that he picks needs to be the right platform and a club like MTK Dons that are, are reasonably well set up you know I mean it's in a, a new stadium and they've got a certain type of, of, of player there and a budget there but he would have spoken to Lincoln looked at their budget and just went Jesus this lot are, 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 are at the peak of their powers and they're just keeping their head above water mm. uh, and that's not an environment for him to be um, to be like, like operating in with the brand of football that he plays because that is an absolute monster of a league by the way when you look at the size of the clubs that are down yeah. there that is hell for leather 46 games a season and you got to be bang at it um, and the pressure you're under so uh, for what it's worth I saw it and I went geez if he takes that I think he'd be mad and that's just from the outside looking it's in it's interesting yeah it's interesting not, not too many have said that I have to say so like that's oh, a I think he'd be mad to go there yeah Okay, uh, Chelsea two Wolves one in the Premier League. Lukaku scored twice today. Crystal Palace one, Watford nil. Burnley nil, Aston Villa three. So Leeds and Everton really buoyed by that news today. And Brentford three, Southampton nil. We saw in the Championship earlier on that nothing really changed in terms of the playoff spots. It'll be Nottingham Forest, Huddersfield Town, Sheffield United, and Luton contesting the playoffs. Celtic have pretty much wrapped up the Scottish Premiership title today with a four-one victory over Hearts earlier on. So Rangers in the Europa League final, but Celtic are, are going to win the Scottish League. And Ange Postecoglou's done very well so you can be proud of your Celtics at two today uh, Shane Keegan and it's been a very very good season for them in fairness absolutely really good season um, the only problem now is obviously that will be hoping that uh, the blue side doesn't win a, win a European competition that would, would, would sour the season for them you're a, man, a, study, a student of managers uh, Shane like Pasta Coglu's come in and he's done a great job He's done a brilliant job. He really, really has. And I mean, that was a difficult enough position that he arrived into the club in. You know, some Celtic managers come in in, in a, a position of strength and, and it's pretty easy sailing for them. But it was it was far, far from that. And again, you know, we, I suppose we were talking earlier on about about Ancelotti and how players seem to, you know, every, when he leaves, Damien was saying when he leaves, nobody ever says anything bad about him. Now I know he's he's still there, he hasn't left Celtic, but the players absolutely rave about him. They really, really do. They absolutely rave about him. And uh, yeah, it was a fantastic appointment. I would have known little to nothing about him. Um, 
as I've said before, I, I would would be a, a big Eddie Howe fan and he was, I suppose, kind of the big name being linked with it at the time. And I, I would have loved to have seen him got that to get that. I was speaking to somebody there the other day who who had been out in Australia and, and therefore was a was a fan of his because he'd seen how well he'd been doing out there. But it was still a bit of a, a left field appointment, but a, a really, really good one, one that's definitely worked out. Arsenal, it seems to have turned a corner, uh, Damien Delaney. Would you think they're the favourites for the top four now? Arteta signed in a new deal yesterday. They what? They beat Chelsea, they beat Man U, they won at West Ham. Oh, man. I think, um, oh, how many times have we said that Arsenal yeah. turned a corner in the mm-hmm. <laughs> until they're actually turned it and they're way up the road and they're in the Champions League next year? Then I might believe that there'll be some significant change at Arsenal. Look, he's definitely had an effect there, Arteta. He's definitely... Uh, there's definitely been a culture shift at Arsenal, um, and I seem, I really think he has at the beginnings of, of implementing something reasonably, really, reasonably good there. Um, I just wonder, do they have the the, the 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 bottle, I suppose, or the stamina to get it over the line? They're going to come under an increasing amount of pressure. Uh, I, I just Conte and his attitude, he will just be kicking and screaming to get his team into it. Obviously, Manchester United are, I believe, too far adrift now. Between the pair of them, there's an North London derby coming up. Um, Arsenal, it all looks a bit, a bit, still a little bit brittle for me. I'm not sold on it. They're decent. They're good. I like watching them. But I feel like the trade could come off the tracks any minute and they're capable of, of, of beating Tottenham and then losing to, 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 to a relegation-threatened team the following week. Um, so uh, that would be my take on that. <laughs> And uh, Damien, just a quick take. We can't uh, leave a show without you talking about Man United. Uh, it's just kind of fizzled uh, out, hasn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Some serious um, work needs to go into that uh, football club over the summer. The beginnings of it seem to be happening. Um, I believe Ten Hag is going to have a huge say on the, the structure above him and how it's going to be set up in terms of signing players, scouting players, negotiating contracts. A lot of heads have rolled there recently. Um, and I just hope that Manchester United give him the, the staff, the scouting network, the, the, the people above him that will implement his plan off the pitch while he's busy away uh, working on the training ground um, because that probably has been the, 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 the disconnect there with Manchester United um, that you know people have made football decisions that, that aren't really football related. And, um, and obviously, if the guy comes with a track record, he seems to be to tick every box, but you know nothing will change unless the structure off it changes, if you understand what I'm saying. I think it should be celebrated that Damien's got almost two hours into the show without. It was a good show. It was asked, great debate. Been great. asked to sort of like inflame Manchester United fans. Yeah, and well, you know, that's yeah. just party shows where Man United are. That's, and that's the, an and achievement. Yeah, that's good. I feel sorry for them. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> sympathy. Yeah, but it's um, it just shows where they are because obviously City, Liverpool, they, they, these are the clubs that. Just yeah, I yeah, know it is true. It is like, and I think the Ten Hag thing will hopefully give the story a little bit of a new life. You know, it actually is going to be very interesting. Could I just say, right, the championship conclusion was very boring today, very quickly. So then in League Two, you have a situation where what was it? Was it Argentina beat Peru a load of goals in ninety seven eight? So so um, Henry Kissinger in the yeah, dressing room. Yeah. So so Bristol Rovers started the day. With a, with a bad goal different situation to get promoted so Northampton are 3-1 up against Barrow and they're like Northampton are up because their goal difference at the start of the day was something like 4 better I think the Bristol Rovers are 5 better Bristol Rovers have now gone 7-0 up <laughs> against Scunthorpe <laughs> they've scored 7 goals and they're now suddenly they've gone into the automatic promotion spot ahead of per Northampton I think they're going to go up on goals scored as it stands so like 7-0 uh, with Gold in the 76, 79, 85th minute. So it's going into injury time. So uh, I'm, impressed I'm, look, I'm looking at the table here, Dan. They're, they're now level on goal difference. Bristol are ahead of Northampton on goal scored. Goal they're scored. Plus 
they're both on plus 22. You're, yeah. like, but, but you're a couple of nerds. How did you know score? this was in the mix? Like even yeah. oh, like just, I was looking at the following the live score league too, just to see what's ranting going on because the championship is normally brilliant, but it was quite dull today. Yeah. Nothing, but like uh, I just saw some people commenting about it. But uh, seven goals now. Scunthorpe are the worst team in the league, so they have been relegated to the conference because of that. So it's right. not as if there's some sort of skullduggery like they are a per side. But um. Oh, that's a mad last day. I mean, Northampton, you're 3-0 up after a few minutes. You think your job is done. And then... You're in the playoffs. You hear this coming through, yeah. That's jo- Joey Barton as well. Am I right to say? Oh, you're, so, oh you're it's right? Joey Barton, Bristol Rovers, is he? Yeah, I think, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> Look forward to that press conference. Oh, God. That'd be delightful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always the good guys winning, isn't it? It's yeah. always the good guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Forest Green Rovers, Exeter and Bristol Rovers set to go up with Northampton, Port Vale, Swindon and Mansfield Town in the playoff spots yeah so that's that's what's going on there um, Glenn Whelan is playing for Bristol Rovers yeah Trevor Clark as well who's uh, one of the early members of the Stephen Bradley sort of Shamrock Rovers era he's involved there too so yeah yeah, Glenn Whelan of course yeah great chat today Damien Delaney Shane Keegan thanks so much guys thanks lads cheers lads thank um, you thanks so much football on off the ball with Sky watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports